Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome on in on a Tuesday morning. We got a big dose of college football for you right out of the gate here this morning. We're going to start with Kalani Sataki meeting with the media. The Cougars now 8-0 and switching gears as they frequently do. Usually in a normal year, in the before times, they would come out and have their uh, four quick games in September. And they would play the uh, Power 5 teams. And then October would still be pretty good. You just have Boise State and Utah State in there. Maybe a Power 5 game, something good in there. And then you get to November, and it'd get a little thin. There wouldn't be much going on. Now, here we are in uh, mid-November, but we've gotten to the thin portion of the schedule. The next five weeks are three bye weeks, the North Alabama game, and the San Diego State game. And the San Diego State game, which looked decent when San Diego State was 2-0, took a hit as the Aztecs lost to San Jose State. And let me tell you, having grown up an Aztec fan, that was classic Brady Hoke fourth quarter right there. Good grief. They score, they take the lead, they're up 17-14. Okay, you may have to win ugly and grind it out, but so be it if that's the way it's got to be. But instead, instead, they just make a mess of the whole thing. I mean, they're driving, they're going in to score, and they fumble at the 17-yard line. And they go down, and they're driving, they're going in to score. They get down to the 15, and they throw a pick in the end zone. And the defense holds San Jose and forces a punt, but they muff the punt and give San Jose a short field. I think it was like 22 yards or something for San Jose State's game-winning touchdown drive. All right, great. So that was a 21-point swing with those three turnovers. Thanks. Thanks a lot for that. And it's going to take some of the luster off that game for BYU. I don't think they're going to get a lot of a lot of brownie points for winning that. Uh, but the Boise State game should hold up. Boise State... I think you've got to, if you if you're putting if you're putting a few skittles on them if you're putting money on Boise State I would assume that they're going to end up six and two or seven and one after their eight game schedule assuming they get all eight games in uh, we're seeing Air Force Air Force canceling games left and right the uh, the Army game is done the Wyoming game is already canceled for this uh, upcoming weekend so uh, but if Boise State plays eight games I would assume they finish six and two or seven and one maybe somebody will get them uh, maybe. And then they would have a, uh, a conference title game after that. So I think that will hold up as a quality win for BYU. Uh, Houston lost to Cincinnati decisively, decisively this weekend. I think it was 38 to 10. And so Houston's now two and three. So that's not looking like a marquee win. And Navy's been bouncing around 500 this year as well. So uh, for BYU, it's, it's Boise State. You could not like Boise State, but, but now Cougar fans, you got to turn around and win. For, you got to turn around and hope they win. You got to pull for them every week because they're going to be your marquee win and decide if you get one of those last couple of spots in a New Year's Six bowl game. We we're kind of doping it out yesterday. I think it's, um, you know, I think there's some links that are going to get three teams in. There usually are. And I think the SEC is set up right now. Alabama, uh, one lost Florida, one lost Texas AM, and AM's only loss is to Alabama. And they won't play in the, in the conference title game. So AM could run the table and get to nine and one here. I think three teams are the SEC. I think three from the ACC. Uh, Miami, Notre Dame, and Clemson are all, uh, well, Notre Dame's undefeated, and Clemson's sitting on one loss without Trevor Lawrence. They'll get a pass for that. And Miami's a one-loss team with a loss to uh, Clemson. So I think there's six teams for the New Year's Six. Uh, Ohio State will be seven. The Pac-12 champ is eight. The Big 12 champ is nine. Uh a group of five, probably Cincinnati, but whoever, that's 10. You can see 10 spots accounted for. Now, that leaves two spots open. 
uh, for BYU to jump in. We'll have to see how things play out over the next five weeks. I wouldn't anticipate that BYU climbs a lot in the polls here. But they don't really need to. They're eighth. So if they're seven, eight, or nine, that puts them in a pretty good spot. Uh, I don't think top 10 teams usually get out, left out of the New Year's Six, but this is an unusual deal. And BYU will cost a conference a spot. Now, depending on who the runner-up is, they may not, that conference may not have a strong argument. Uh, but that's all something for us to watch going forward, and it'll take a month or so for it to play out. Right now, let's listen to Kalani Sataki as he meets with the media right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Thankful for uh, another another win over the weekend. I think you guys have all heard me on in the post game. Um, was able to to watch the film and evaluate some of the mistakes that we made and some things that we did really really well. And uh, look forward to praising our, our guys that, that did some good things and and then uh, fixing any of the mistakes that happened. Um, I think it's a good time for, for some feedback and for us to improve. I mentioned that uh, after the game, and, and uh, now the film confirms it. So uh, there's a lot of things that we could do better as coaches and uh, a lot of things that we can do as, as a team over, overall to help us win and uh, be more efficient as a group. So that being said, I'll take any questions. We Obviously, we have a bye this week, and uh, we'll see uh, what happens. But we're, we're looking forward to this week of catching up with our academics and focusing on make, making uh, some corrections from last week and then uh, making sure our guys are, are still in good shape for the games. All right, let's go with uh, Jared Lloyd and then Mitch Harper. Kalani, you mentioned after the game how cool it was to have that moment with the Boise State team, you know, on, there on the field and have a prayer. And you've talked a lot about the importance of gratitude this year. And, and a bye week, like you said, there's a lot of improvement to be made. But I wanted to ask, just to have you step back for a second and, and take in all of the emotion of this year and, and those little moments. And how much has that meant to you? It's been a, a unique year for college football. Just wondered what that's been like. Yeah, it's been it's been really good. I mean, I, I it's it's football, you know, and it's a little different, but it's been uh, uh, the fact that that it, there's some bit of of normal life with with us competing and and playing football and understanding the the situation that that we're in with the pandemic. But I think um, you know we're, we're a resilient group of people and. Uh, overall as humans and so we're trying to find ways to make things work and and um, you know we learn as we go along and so I've been really pleased with the fact that we still get to play football and, and for the eight games that we had and uh, just really still have that 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 feeling of, of uh, gratitude and uh, just appreciation for the opportunities and, and and being able to be on that field with our opponents I think it gives you a different perspective on it, you know, in, in, in the entire game. And, and I think having that moment with Boise after the after the game, but also having moments with other teams and interactions with them, uh, it just means a lot more than it did before. You don't take it for granted anymore. So, um, you know, injuries hurt more, even even if they're on the other team. Just all those moments that you – the emotions are, are magnified because uh, the, the threat of not having it, and then you just don't take things for granted. And, and that, that does something really good for the game and it does good things for for us as people so uh, uh, that that's a positive byproduct of, of the pandemic Kalani, when it comes to potentially adding maybe some additional games I know Tom usually handles that but uh, maybe what goes into the decision for for you guys would it be to strengthen your chances to get to the playoff or New Year's six what would maybe go into decisions to potentially add games if any opportunities come up 
from my point of view, is just getting another game. I, I mentioned after the game that that uh, you know we we were hoping for twelve opportunities, and we ended up playing eight right now, and and we have two more scheduled. And so, I think the window for adding a game this week has already passed. And so definitely we'll have a bye this week and then we'll play North Alabama afterwards and then um, then we'll see. But uh, that's that's something that our administration controls. And I know Tom's on top of it. If if there's an opportunity for that to, to happen, then great. I, for me, it, it doesn't really matter um, what it could do for um, bowl games and things like that. I, I, all I know is we're bowl eligible. So that that's that's we were going to be able to have another guaranteed opportunity to play with these guys again. Um, but other than that, you know, we're just, whatever can happen, we'll appreciate. And so that's, that's our mindset of it. And then if nothing happens and we'll appreciate that as well and just keep working with what we got. So that's, that's all we can worry about and stay focused on, on right now playing North Alabama and making sure that we're ready to go and that we're operating in as full strength as we can be and that we were looking for opportunities to get better and stronger and, and uh, more unified as a team. And Kalani, just real quick, what's the latest on the injury status of Lopini Katoa? Yeah, it looks like Lopini's we're, – we're waiting. I mean, if we had a game this weekend, probably not, but uh, we're hopeful for next week for uh, North Alabama. And uh, I think that's – yeah, everybody else should be pretty good. I mean, Zane Anderson is closer to, to returning. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think everybody else is still in the, in the mix of being um, – you know, I think we're going to have Batty. more – what is that? Tyler Yeah, Batty. I'm pretty sure Batty – Maybe I shouldn't say it, but I'd be surprised if he's not on the field against North Alabama. All right, let's take a question from Norma Gonzalez and then from Jay Drew. Hey, Coach, I know it doesn't really affect you guys too much, but I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on the governor's new state of emergency and the orders that he issued last night. Yeah, I think that, I mean, we're, we're going to – I trust our – our uh, government, our officials, and, and uh, going to support them as much as we can, and and we'll follow it. You know, we'll we'll, we'll try to educate our, our players and ourselves, and and uh, you know, make sure that we do what, what we can to keep people safe. And and um, regardless of how you feel about it um, specifically, or if you want to be on, you know, it's their personal feelings. It, it doesn't really matter for us. It's to do things the right way and do what people are asking of us. And I. I think it's a it's a wise thing for us to, to think of others and and to do what we can to keep everyone safe. And if that means that you guys are once again left without fans in the stands, what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, we love our fans, so I would love to see as many fans in the stands as possible. And I, I don't I haven't heard anything yet about it, but I'm not really worried about that right now. I, I really haven't worried about fans, and neither has our team uh, the entire time. And and that's like you said, we're, 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 I've said it before. We're trying to keep our team focused on on what we can control. And uh, we've had games with no fans. We've had games with some fans. We've had games with uh, just family and friends, and and um, you know on, on the opposing team. So regardless of what happens, I, I like the way our team is playing and the fact that we're staying focused and, and not, not allowing that to be a distraction for us. Kalani, it looked like the SID department launched a little bit of a Zach Wilson for Heisman campaign. Uh, were you uh, on board with that? What are your thoughts on that? Anytime we can promote our players, I'm on board for it. And so uh, whether it's uh, their playing ability or things that they're doing in the community, things that they're doing as alumni, uh, I'm all about promoting what uh, what BYU players are all about. And so I support them 100% in everything that they want to promote. 
and whether it's for uh, personal, you know, awards or um, you know things like that, I'm good with it. So, yeah, I, I want I want our players to be recognized for the things that they do and the talent that they have. And so, I'm hoping that NFL scouts are looking at our guys. I've I've said it before. I think there's a lot of NFL talent on this team. You know, so. Um, Hopefully they get recognized and hopefully uh, we're able to get them in the league and and represent the the school and their families well. And then just real quick, obviously there was a coaching change in state over the weekend. Obviously you probably don't want to comment on that specifically, but my question is, is there like a policy that you have as far as schools contacting your guys within season or is there an unwritten rule in college football that you don't do that? Kind of, where do you kind of fall on that? Is that, is that do you understand what kind oh, of? Oh, oh, you mean with contacting um, my coaches? Yeah, and you know, there's an opening within the state now. All of a sudden, and oh, yeah. Um, well, I, I have a personal connection with Gary Anderson, and so uh, I would not be here if it weren't for mentors that I've had in coaching, and I've mentioned a lot of them. You know, I've had great mentors in Lavelle Edwards and Kyle Whittingham, Gary Anderson, uh, Norm Chow. I'm, I know I'm leaving people out, but there have been some great coaches that have been part of my life, and, and I wouldn't be here if it weren't for them and their mentoring. And so Gary Anderson gave me a chance at Southern Utah uh, to be a coach for him and then he and Kyle gave me a chance at Utah and so a lot of appreciation and love for for him and um, you know it's in, in regards to and I, and I know what he's about I know that he loves um, you know helping young men um, achieve their dreams and be the best versions of themselves so in regards to jobs uh, I've said it before I think we have great coaches on our staff that are future head coaches and our future coordinators and great leaders and so uh, I'll always be in support of of them um, climbing the ladder and getting their opportunities just like other mentors have done for for me I mean I've these mentors are still involved in my life I mean guys like Ron McBride I got a text from him and Andy Reid and great coaches that are out there that that take time out of their busy schedule to just you know check up on me Kenny Matalolo guys like that that I I stay in contact uh, often so um, I'm just thankful for all their their love and their their friendship and you know, I, I, I think that uh, the more people I know and get out there and get opportunities, I'll always support it. Let's go with Tad Walsh and then Jay Catch. Hey, Kalani, I'm, I'm back with another religion question for you. Um, I, going back to that postgame prayer, uh, really, I was going to ask two questions, but let's start with this one. Just what role does prayer play in your program? Huge. I mean, that's, uh, you know, we we, uh, we can pray, and so we do, and, and we promote prayer often. And so it's a, I think it's a good personal prayer. We pray as a team, and um, we pray, pray as a program. So I, I know that um, that's a big part of what we do. So, yeah, that's, uh, we, can, we, are, we are allowed to do that, and so we're going to take advantage of it. And the moment with Boise, they invited us to pray with them, and, and uh, we're not going to turn that down when a team invites our, our team to, to kneel down and, and, and praise God for the opportunity that we had to play. And what, a, what a great, um, you know, what a great uh, um, invite from them. I, I was really impressed with them. The entire game, just great program with, with wonderful sportsmanship, and, you know, ho- hopefully we can uh, um, be able to, to have that type of impact on other programs as well when we play them. Just a quick follow, Jenny, just to say, do you pray before every game? I mean, how often, what, when are these events? 
Oh, you want me to go through a prayer log with you? I don't have time for all that. I mean, I pray you know, like my personal prayers before every play. And if a, if a new guy's out there making a play and if a guy catches the ball, I mean, you know, it's it's probably every second if you want to add out of that way, Tad. <laughs> but, I mean, I prayer often, you know, it doesn't say if we, it doesn't say that there's a limit to it. So, yeah, we're we're going to pray often and, and make sure we do it as much as possible. And and then uh, coaches probably stress the limits to that a little bit more. <laughs> Kalani, Utah has had an outbreak. They had their game canceled Saturday, and this week it's still undetermined if they're going to play UCLA. I wanted to ask you, is that situation been something you're able to point to with your team and say, hey, this is why you guys need to be hypervigilant about COVID-19? Well, it's just not that one specifically. That's, that's all over the place. It's it, it's it's um, That's part of the, the sports world right now. You know, you're seeing games being postponed or canceled in a lot of different arenas. It's, it's not just college football. It's, it, it happens everywhere, right? So um, I, I think that uh, that's kind of like the norm now. And and I've said it before, you can do everything right. You can wear a mask, you can social distance, you can do everything right. And and this this virus has shown that it doesn't really matter sometimes that you could, you could still pick it up and still test positive. And the key is, is for us to try to minimize as possible and do what our leaders are asking us to do. And so we're going to support that. And we understand that in the, in the world of college football right now, you have to deal with a lot of different things and you have to work with depth and you have to have a lot of guys ready to play just in case uh, guys test positive. And that's, that's just the world we live in now. And, 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 and I don't think any team's going to go out into a game being full strength. You just have to uh, look at, at, at what happens and, and dealing with the pandemic and knowing that every team out there in college football, isn't going to be at their, at their best because of, of the test results and things like that. We're going to take our last two questions from Sean Walker and Pat Graham. Yeah, Coach, you you talked talked about this a little bit, but maybe to pivot back around to the bye week and just kind of the need for it after playing for seven straight weeks and kind of with the sort of the just the environment, the atmosphere, everything that's been going on in 2020. How needed is this bye week for you guys right now? Well, I mean, we, if there was a game to play, we would be ready for the game. And, and, and we just, you know, we've got guys get banged up, guys not be able to play certain games and guys have tested positive and not been able to play. That's just part of the deal now. And, and we felt like our team has been deep this year. And, and, you know, the unfortunate part is that we've had to test it and then we've had guys step up, but um, the bye week the fact that it's here, you know, we, I know Tom's always been working on trying to fill uh, this game and fill the, this week with the game. We're just, ready for it we just knew that when it hit past Sunday and, and got, got to Monday if there wasn't a game on the schedule then we weren't going to have it and so now that, that that has happened we've moved on to the next transition which is uh, take advantage of the bye week and then see what we can do to get our guys um, healed up properly but also make sure that we maintain our strength and our conditioning and that we are uh, on top of our academics and our, our personal and social lives that we're smart with it so that, that's going to be the key for us And and uh, but I think there's a good opportunity for us to still improve and get better as a team and, and looking forward to getting that done this week. Hey coach, how you doing? Uh, thanks for taking the time. Um, sorry, just as player specific, uh, I guess just how easy is it to root for a guy like a uh, Kairos Tonga, just given his path and that's got him to where he is right now. Yeah. Tough player. I think he, you know, when you looking at, at the things that he does on the field, um, he's still, he's still, uh, 
there's some things that I know he can still improve on with his technique and stuff. He hasn't been a – people need to realize that he played tight end in high school. So D-line wasn't a natural position for him. He's a athletic kid that that uh, thinks he should be catching the football still, you know. So uh, – but he's a tough kid that, that doesn't mind the physical part of the game. And and um, when he gets his technique right, it's a, it's a beautiful sight. But we're still working on that. He knows there's always room for improvement. And um, right now he's – I can tell you he's one of the strongest, more athletic guys I've been around for his size and I think he's going to do some really good things in the next level you know but I also think that he has a very high ceiling and that um, you know when when, when he, things will click for him more often he's going to make a, a much bigger impact on the field and we're hoping he can get that done uh, for our next game. There is Kalani Sataki. We'll take a break come back you'll hear from Kyle Whittingham about the problems the youths face why they Cancel the Arizona game and why they're worried about the UCLA game. And I've already moved it back one day. Kyle Whittingham's coming up next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We just heard from Kalani Sataki. Time now to hear from Kyle Whittingham. The Utes canceling the Arizona game. The UCLA game pushed back from Friday night to Saturday night. And Kyle Whittingham dealing with a couple things here. One, they're still down a lot of numbers. And it seems pretty clear that they will be down a lot of guys against UCLA. Now, they have to have 53 scholarship players and they can't play. There's also certain numbers they've got to hit at quarterback and offensive line. You can't have a position group uh, really decimated. And as you listen to Kyle here, yeah, and you can just hear the fatigue and tension in his voice. You know, coaching football is hard enough. It's a full-time gig. Um, but all the medical stuff is weighing on him. And he's had a player in the hospital, and he's had a lot of kids real sick. Kyle will tell you all about it. Here he is. If you guys had tested positive on Friday, and then you guys were able to test negative on Saturday and Sunday, does that indicate that there were some false positives on Friday? Uh you know, there there was a couple, but uh, I'm trying to. It's it's so convoluted, and every day is it's a different story, and so I can't remember exactly. We've had false positives throughout this whole process. I can't remember exactly if there were some that uh, went from Friday to to the weekend. I I couldn't tell you for certain, but uh, maybe one, maybe one. Just to follow that up. Um... I know that there were multiple positives on Friday. Did this have to do with one particular position group or was it kind of spread out amongst the roster? Well, it was spread out, but there were two position groups that were decimated uh, more so than any other. And, and uh, that's why ultimately we, you know, we couldn't play because of, uh, first of all, total number of scholarship players in the two position groups we really couldn't line up and uh, get it done. We'll go next to Trevor Allen from KSLSports.com, followed by Ryan Costeca from SI.com. Coach, so so since you guys weren't able to play on Saturday, you guys you guys probably got to watch the Bruins take on Colorado, and they they were able to put up a lot of points. Uh, what what do you make of their offense, and obviously on their defensive side as well? Yeah, there's a lot of points uh, put up in the game, uh, high scoring game. Uh, quarterback's a tremendous athlete. Um, 
They've got uh, you know skill all around them. Uh, slot receiver is very good. Uh, defensively, you know, they had a tough time stopping Colorado, but but uh, you know they got athletes, and uh, we've got to work it out for us. Next, we'll go to Ryan Costeco, followed by Patrick Kinahan. Hey, Coach, how you doing this morning? Good, thank you. So who may have the advantage, you know, come Saturday night, obviously either UCLA, the team that played and maybe was able to iron out some mistakes or you guys, you know, you actually get to see what they can do on film and sort of game plan that way while UCLA has nothing to view. Yeah. Uh, there's arguments on both sides. Typically the old adage is you make your most improvement between game one and two. So, so they've got that uh, on their side. Uh, as far as us, we have uh, a full tape, game tape to watch and study and analyze from them this year where they have nothing on us yet this year. So, so who knows? Uh, advantages uh, both ways, depending how you look at it. We'll go next to Patrick Kinahan, followed by Josh Newman. I'm wondering with this COVID situation, how is it affecting your repetitions that you're giving players in practice? Do you give some more to some guys that you normally wouldn't to make sure if you need to use them during games that they're ready? Absolutely, and just for the sheer fact that uh, our numbers, and you have to give guys reps. I mean, somebody's got to take the reps, and so the guys that, that are available are the guys that are getting the reps, and, and uh, it certainly has been a, a, uh, a juggling act you know, every week, every, every day, essentially, is different lineups and, and getting people back uh, from quarantine or, or from the virus itself, and you're losing some people, and, and so it's, uh, it's been tough to keep continuity, but sure the whole country is having the same issue, I would imagine. Our next question will come from Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune, followed by Josh Furlong. Kyle, as you get ready to practice here today, between, uh, between positives and contact tracing, do you still have players in quarantine, or is everybody out of quarantine? Oh, we've got several. Several, so. several active cases, several quarantine. Uh, that hasn't changed much at all. We had the rash of, of, of positives at the end of last week. Those take time. I mean, ten days, two weeks, and yes, those guys. That's a that's an ongoing process. Just to follow that up real quick, the statement that the athletic department released last night indicated that there were some staff members that had also tested positive. Is that accurate? That some on your staff are positive? Yes. Next, we'll go to Josh Furlong, followed by Chris Comrani from the Athletic. Kyle, we haven't talked to you since you got your contract extension. I know you've been kind of on record as saying you haven't necessarily wanted to coach past 65. So what, what um, is kind of uh, the rationale behind that? Obviously consistency, but like, what, what do you feel like is the benefit of being able to, to have that extension through 2027? Well, I think for recruits, uh, knowing that the staff in the, in the, in the uh, program is stable and has uh, the backing of the university, uh, you know, whether they finish out the contract or not is, is uh, secondary to the fact that, that uh, the recruits, understand how confident our administration is in uh, what we're doing. And, and uh, that's really what that predominantly is, is about confidence. And, and uh, that's good for recruits to know that. Next question, Chris Comrani from The Athletic. Kyle, we last talked to you on Wednesday morning. Had this been going on throughout the week or is this something that popped up Wednesday and then into Thursday and Friday? Well, it, it's been sporadic all through the, you know, the months that we've been practicing as far as positives. They've been showing up here and there, but we had a, uh, a, a rash of them 
on Friday. And so that's why it was such a late notice to, to have to opt out of the game. And uh, that's when it really hit was, was Friday and then uh, Saturday as well. And just as a quick follow-up, have you been able to figure out where some of your guys may have contracted the disease? No, no. So there's so much going on in this county. We're one of the hot spots in the nation. and It's, it's everywhere. And so we, we uh, can't say for certain uh, what happened or, there's really no common thread between the players that tested positive or very little in common. And so uh, it's just, it's out there. I mean, it's, it's uh, unless you're in a complete bubble and having contact with nobody and not touching anything. I mean, it's, uh, you know, with, with what's going on in our County, it's, it's very difficult to, uh, to stay, uh, you know, from, from getting the virus. Our next question will come from Kyle Bonagura from ESPN.com. Hey, Kyle, if you had a rash of positive cases on Friday and the protocols are 10 or 14 days, how confident are you to be able to play on, on Saturday? Well, we're trying and we hope to. Uh, every day is different. And uh, if we get a few more positives this week, then that could knock us out of the game this weekend. So it's a day-to-day thing. And uh, we are doing our best to be able to play the game. But uh, if we have, uh, you know, if we lose many more guys this week, and, you know, maybe another situation we're not able to. So we'll just take it day by day and see what happens. But for now that you had enough guys leave uh, isolation and quarantine, so you, you do currently have enough bodies to be able to play? Uh, barely. We're right on that borderline. And the difference this week is we do have uh, extra time to, to try to prepare some guys that really have been getting zero reps because of their status on the depth chart. Whereas when it happened last Friday, we were under the threshold as well, but we also didn't have any time to, there was no practice left to to try to get some of the walk-ons up to speed. It was just an impossible situation. And so uh, at least this week, even though we don't have uh, very many more players that we at our disposal that we had last week, at least we have time to, uh, Try, try to get some guys trained up as best we can. Got it. Thank you. Next, we'll go to Chris Comrade, followed by Ryan Costeca. Kyle, I'm not asking for your medical opinion, but I do think there's a, <laughs> I, I do think there's a, uh, a significant portion of, of folks in the state that think that this virus is being overblown. And obviously we've seen what the community spread can do when it comes to affecting sports. So I would, I just, I guess, I just ask, what would you say to those folks that think that <laughs> this thing is being overblown? Because obviously, this has an effect on your program and their team. So, I, I guess, I would just ask, what would you say to those folks that maybe aren't taking this thing as vigilantly as possible? Well, it's, there's no doubt it's out there, and it's it's affecting uh, literally thousands and thousands of people. Uh, depending how old you are. I mean, that obviously has a big effect on what kind of impact it actually has as far as you being sick and what you're able to do or not do. But uh, we've had some players that uh, become very sick when was in the hospital. And so uh, it's there. And uh, you know, like you said, I'm not a medical expert. I don't want to try to expound on something that I really don't know much about other than that it has impacted us. And like I said, we've had one player that uh, had a tough go with it. We'll have a couple more. Ryan Costeca from SI.com, followed by Josh Newman. 
Coach, you just mentioned that uh, you're right now kind of on the stand threshold of having the active players. Is there any hope that you might be getting players back this week that could, you know, maybe bump up your numbers a little bit? We hope that's uh, an ongoing discussion with uh, medical staff, uh, county medical people, both here and, and uh, down in Southern California, because I guess we're going to get on a plane and go down to their, their turf that uh, they've got certain requirements that may be a little bit different than ours up here. And so that's trying to be ironed out right now and see exactly what uh, you know, what the, what the uh, outcome's going to be. And, and we're hoping that we get a few more, but uh, that's not known at this time. We're still working through that. And Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Kyle, are you able to give any insight into just how amenable uh, the Pac-12 and UCLA were when you when you went to them trying to get the game backed up one day? Uh, I did not have any conversation with them, but I know based on what I've been told by our administration that, that everyone's trying to work together on this and and uh, it's give and take and, and trying to make things happen. And I'm sure that uh, you know, Chip Kelly and his staff weren't too uh, brokenhearted about having an extra day to prepare because it was a short week for both of us. And again, we're on equal footing because of the short week, but but uh, that gives them an advantage as well as not having the short turnaround and gives us uh, a chance to have an extra day to, to get some of these guys up to speed as best we can. Some of these guys haven't taken really any reps since camp started. So we broke into scout teams, which was uh, after the first week of camp, uh, we got a bunch of guys that are now going to be counted on to, uh, to uh, help us win. And, uh, so that's where we're at. There is Kyle Whittingham, the U coach. When we come back, PK and I with Dick Harmon from the Deseret News. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Join the big show Wednesday from 2 to 7 at the Warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom. We're joined now by Dick Harmon, sports columnist for the Deseret News. Dick, good morning. Good morning, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Snow, Masters, college football. Is your life turned upside down? Um... Yeah, but I, I kind of like it. I kind of like the Masters in the fall a little bit. Give us something to look forward to. Uh, but, yeah, Sergio just tested positive, so he's out. Yep. Well, BYU is rolling. 8-0. and The best BYU football team since. Dick, you've seen a lot of BYU football teams, so I'm curious your opinion on this. No, it's kind of a it's kind of with an asterisk on it because of the season. I mean, this is such a strange season to scrap a whole schedule and plug in another one, and then do what you do. You miss an army game, and then you get on a run. But uh, I think the thing that's impressed me the most about this team is that the chemistry level is extremely high. Kalani has got his guys in that he's recruited. His developmental program is paying dividends. They have played a week uh, schedule, but they've done what. They should have done and won all those games. But the other part of it is they've blown people out consistently, except for one game that 
was taken into the fourth quarter. They have really pounded people. It doesn't matter who it was or where it was. And at the end, in the fourth quarter, in most all of these games, they haven't had to play their their starters. So that's been very impressive. I think you go back to the uh, 11 win season with um, John Beck and. Um, and uh, Max Hall, I don't think I've seen as, as many explosive plays and consistency on offense with Zach Wilson in, in, in a long, long time, probably back to those days. So you've literally seen every great quarterback that BYU has had over the years, going back 40 years. Uh, compare Zach Wilson to what you've seen in some of those great quarterbacks. What were some of those their attributes to what Zach Wilson has? Well, back in the day, the system was so far ahead of defenses that those guys could just uh, you know, literally just kind of choose what numbers they wanted to make, and uh, Doug Skoll and those guys would just chalk it up, and that would be it. Um, and, and we haven't seen that because defenses have progressed, so I think it's been really hard for some quarterbacks the last uh, 10 or 15 years uh, to really throw up those numbers. But, but uh, Josh is doing something that we haven't seen for a very long, long time, probably since McMahon, and that is to throw for uh, you know yards per uh, reception. He's going around 17 right now. They're third in the nation in uh, yards per play. Um, they lead the nation in about four or five different categories. Uh, the thing that sticks out in my mind about Zach is that he's able to make these plays deep downfield, 35, 38 yards, 50 yards. Uh, Romney leads the nation with 30 uh, yards per catch. Uh, I mean, we haven't seen that kind of production deep consistently since McMahon, probably. Um, Detmer uh, put up a godly uh, amount of numbers, just just a gob of points, but he threw a lot of interceptions and kind of balance mapping. To this date, uh, Zach has thrown, what, one, one pick in eight games? And, um, and I, I think the kid is special. I I, I, uh, I really do. I think that he's doing some things that you haven't seen around BYU in uh, probably two decades. And hand-in-hand hand with that is the, the, the targets that he has. The, you know, this Dax Milk had a walk-on. Uh, he can't get covered. Uh, he hasn't been able to be consistently covered by any team in eight games. And uh, Romney set out, but, you know, he's doing the same thing. He's got these two guys, and they've got great chemistry. He's throwing the ball to where the defense can't get it, comeback routes, you know, back shoulder routes. He's hitting people in the end zone. These fade routes that BYU has tried and tried to just have, haven't been able to do since Johnny Harling and John Beck. He's throwing those fade routes to a point uh, with, with Isaac Rex and others where, where they're being completed, and that hasn't happened in, in a couple of decades. That's just been a bad play, the fade route. So I, I'm seeing things that I haven't seen out of a BYU quarterback in a long, long time. So is this season sustainable, or is it a one-off? I mean, no one really expects it to be sustained at this level, but this is clearly multiple notches above seven and six a year ago. If anything, it jumps out at me. People say it's a soft schedule, and it is. But they messed up games that would be part of a soft schedule last year. You know, losing to Hawaii, exactly. Toledo, and South Florida. Exactly, Dave. And I, I think that's the thing about this team is that they're, they're putting up the points. Uh, they're resting people. They're doing exactly what they have to do. But the, 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 real, the real thing to me is these deep numbers downfield. Uh, when you do that, you can really stretch out a defense, and that's why the run game's working, you know, so well. It's, it's a complete package, and I got to credit uh, Jeff Grimes and Aaron Roderick and uh, Fessy Sataki and uh, and all the coaching staff for really putting together something. But, but let's let's face it; they they haven't been able to have a consistently 
consistency with with their personnel for a few years. So, yeah, I do think that they're on to something. I think this is Zach's probably last year. That's unfortunate because he could come back and, and maybe keep this thing rolling. But uh, they do have a four uh, a four star quarterback coming up um, in the ranks, and some other quarterbacks that would be pretty good. But if they got the system working and the personnel coming in to build on things, I think it's sustainable. Yeah. That's a big thing, you know, going forward with a four-star quarterback coming up because teams can have big years. We've seen it in the Pac-12 South where each of these teams had good seasons, won the division, and then they just go back down, and two, three years later, the coach is fired, and you're starting all over again. And they just get in this cycle of starting all over again every five or six years, and it just leads to mediocrity at best. You know, you watch Stanford, and see they got like six, seven LDS kids, and Half of them or most of them serve missions and all. They seem to be like prime BYU kids. I'm wondering how big of a deal you think this season could be to give these coaches some ammunition and some cards to deal with when it comes to recruiting and stop losing some of these kids that can really be difference makers for their program. I think you bring up a good point. I don't think we can underestimate the fact that if you're undefeated and you're ranked in the top ten and you're being talked about as uh, a New York uh, a New Year's Day six t- uh, bowl team. That, that those are going to be attractive to some of those kids, and maybe they don't. Uh, you know, because Kalani, you know, all of us can agree that Kalani is a very good recruiter. He's good with parents. He's good with the kids. He's had great commits that have uh, decommitted to him and, and gone to places like Alabama and Oregon and uh, ended up at Utah and other places like that. And and you can kind of understand if you're going to win seven games or you're going to have a losing record here and there. Or, 500 team, 500 program, and it doesn't appeal to you, but he can now go out and bark about the rankings, about uh, perhaps a, a bigger bowl game. He can uh, he can go out and sell the fact that you've got a possibly Heisman Trophy and an Outland uh, Trophy winner. Uh, at least if they don't win, they'll be in the counting. Um, and I think that's big. Uh, you, can, you can come back and say, okay, here's where we are. They'll probably get two or three people drafted, possibly a first-round draft pick if that comes out. Uh, those things count. Those are the things that I think Utah uses on their resume to, to sell recruits, and he can come back now and put that in part of his pitch, which he didn't have before. And uh, and I, I think that would, you know, PK, to, to, to what you said, I think that would make a huge difference in the way that they can sell. Is there any doubt in your mind they're going to win the next two games? Um, no. No, I don't think so. I think when they, they rest up and get a couple of people healed up, San Diego State surprised me because of the loss to San Jose State. I, I didn't see that one coming. I have a lot of respect for San Diego State's defense, but uh, this is not the same team. I think Zach put it uh, probably best, and you know, I, I kind of had my ears perk up a little bit after the Boise State game when he, he told people, he says, I've looked at films of our game with Boise State the last two years. Looked at them extensively. He says, we are a far better team than we were in those, those two years. And I think he's right. I think uh, top to bottom, uh, from offensive line to running back, to blocking, to execution, um, to everything that they're doing, they're a far better team than they have been the last two years. I think that one of the things you touched on a little bit, but I want you to elaborate. <clears throat> I think the coaching staff, particularly on the offensive side, and even Tuiaki defensively, they've been really good. Uh, but you know, you can contribute. You could attribute that somewhat to to the competition, or I think offensively. It's more about the talent that they have. And I think a lot of it is just the fact that their coaching staff, basically the three key guys, 
uh, with uh, Grimes and Arod and Sataki Fessy. I'm speaking of have been together. So now you got the combination of the kids being together for a number of years with the coaches, and they've been together each other for now three years. I think that is a significant factor. I think you're right. Uh, you know, you and I have, and all of us have talked to these coaches behind the scenes, and they don't use it for an excuse, but they'd kind of say, you know, these guys are young, and, you know, we, we need we need to have them be together for a while. And now they have been. I think they got off to a real jump by getting six uh, practices in at spring practice where a lot of programs were had to cancel it because they did it later in the spring. They, get, they were able to get together in early June where – some other schools, including Pac-12 schools, didn't do that until later in the, the summer. I mean, they really had a consistent run in getting these guys prepared, and it really showed against Navy. I mean, it looked like two opposite football teams trying to play each other. BYU came out very polished and just embarrassed the, you know, the Navy the Navy squad. And then they went on and kept doing that and built momentum. Um, but yeah, I, I think we got to credit these coaches because they seemed to know what they were doing, but they needed the right elements in place. And some of that had to do with experience rather than just throwing some younger kids out there and say, okay, now do this. Now they're allowed to scheme. I think we've seen in the Houston game uh, and against the Boise State game, if you remember in that game, uh, they came out and they were kind of conservative. Uh, Dax Mill got covered. Uh, Romney got covered by some very good defensive backs. They started to throw it to Neil Powell. To, that's kind of what they had. And um, they just couldn't get things going. But you know, they came back out at halftime and made the adjustments to go ahead and attack down in in the uh, secondary uh, about the 30-yard length. And they started working. And, and, and within a few plays, Boise State was just done. The scheming that was going on with Aaron Roderick and Jeff Grimes and I think Fessy and putting things together. And then you know, once they got that going and putting Mill in motion on that one play, um, they hit the, the, the tight end right down the middle, wide open, they split the safeties. I mean, the, the kind of scheming that goes on then is what you do when you have players that understand what you're doing, you're making calls and making adjustments, they're getting it. And because they're getting it on the run and doing it quick, you're able to do so much more. And I, I think that's probably the maturity of this team over the last couple of years as you're able to do that and speak to them on the sidelines and at halftime to make adjustments and they get it and they do it and I think they've lessened the amount of mistakes they make and miscues, just misfires. Just the red zone production right now is, I think it's like one in the, the number one in the country um, and against you know this kind of competition, but they're putting the ball in the end zone when they get down there, making touchdowns not just settling for field goals and that's that's really good production. Dick Harmon joining us, sports columnist for the Deseret News. So, uh, assuming you're right and BYU wins the last two games and they're 10-0, and what level of confidence do you have that they'll be in the New Year Six? And what level of confidence do you have that somehow politics and conference loyalties and money will rear their head and they will be playing somewhere else? No, I think you're right, Dave. The, the system was, was built and, and reorganized back in 1980, the 1980s to keep a team like BYU and Cincinnati and you know Central Florida and, and whoever else you want to plug in. It was built to keep them out. University of Hawaii with the undefeated season, it's built to keep them out. But this is such a strange year that you're going to look at things at the end and you're going to say, okay, if you have a 10-0 and or possibly if they get another game, maybe it's 11-0 BYU, and you compare it with, say, the Pac-12 where the teams uh, really haven't even played hardly a schedule at the most, what, four or five, six games. You look at that, maybe they've just administrated themselves right out of a, you know, a real, uh, you know, college uh, 
playoff berth. And then you have to start looking, okay, are you going to take two from the ACC, one from the Big Ten? What are the Big Ten records? How many games have they played? And the SEC, like, well, would it be Alabama? Would it be a second team in there, Georgia um, or Florida? Because they beat, you know, whatever whatever it's going to be. It's it's so strange and convoluted that maybe this is a year that just a sentiment is, let's go ahead and give uh, a higher consideration to a team like BYU. Uh, I think BYU is better than Cincinnati because of the strength of schedule. Cincinnati's is worse, according to Sagrin. Um, but maybe it's one of those years where the committee just says, you know, let's look at this harder than we could uh, ordinarily. And yeah, maybe maybe we give them consideration where ordinarily, no way, no way they would. So anytime that uh, there's an opening with that uh, Ruff and Dotson trio along with you, I expect you to be calling me. You know, we might be doing that because we like to see that that controlled slice that you have and that weird wind-up because I know it's effective. The last time I played you, you beat me by one or two strokes, and I was impressed. It doesn't look technically sound, but it works. So, yeah, I'll, I'll bring it up to the Dodds and the rest of the boys. and We call ourselves the fairway pilots, and we have a lot of fun. Okay. He's just got to compensate for that shoulder injury, you know. He's just such a he's just talented in so many sports. He's a multi-sport star and just, you know, one day a little icy snowboarding and it, it jacked up his golf swing. I know. He he does a lot of that right before tee time, to, you know, explain those injuries so that the bets uh, you know, can kind of have a little bit of sandbag factor to it. <laughs> Dick, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and talking a little Cougar football. All right, thanks for having me, guys. There's Dick Harmon from the Deseret News. He's seen a lot of BYU football over the years, so when he says that he likes this team a lot, you know they're pretty good. We're going to take a break. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, including that Monday Night Football thriller, the Patriots and the Jets. Next, stay with us.